What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast, a season recap episode. But there is a lot that has happened since we last came to you guys when we recapped Arch Madness. The offseason's already rolling, but we wanted to come here and recap this 2022-2023 season, among other things. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, we will talk about here some other teams that we know, Valley teams that were in the postseason, what they did. We'll talk about Kennard and bringing home more hardware. hardware and then we'll talk uh, about this season in detail as well as get that sneak peek because we sneak peek into the offseason because we've already got a lot of interest going on in the transfer portal. As we know, the transfer portal is massive and will continue to be. We will talk about all of it, what's going on. Yeah, a lot, a lot of things going on um, postseason. Um, last, last Valley School lost today, so officially Valley season over. Um, a lot of things going on, but here as Saluki fans, we still await the biggest news yet. Um, there was some big news in the Valley today, but it's kind of expected. But I was hoping by seven o'clock here, getting ready close seven o'clock, we'd have some news, but. The anxiety continues to ramp up as we wait. Yeah, that's the ever-important news that we are looking forward to, and we know, and we'll dive into it when when we get to it, that, yeah, this week seems like the prime time to do it. Just a fresh week. Spring spring break is passed, so we might get some news sometimes. Yeah, I'm thinking we will, but we will talk about that at a later date. But we did want to knock out this season recap because – we are looking ahead, but we did want to dive into it. So, Noah, speaking of that, when you mentioned, let's start off with here with the postseason for four Valley teams, as we know, Drake cut down the nets in St. Louis. They head and uh, or they head to uh, March Madness, and they got to play the Miami Hurricanes in the first round. We knew about that on, on Selection Sunday. We kind of had a feeling leading up to that it was going to be a tough matchup for them. We'll talk about that game. I'll let you talk about uh, how it went for them. Obviously, we know Bradley played before that. Bradley played almost this time last week. I think it was last Tuesday night at Wisconsin. Didn't get the job done. And then, as you mentioned, Indiana State was in the CBI, and they were defeated in the quarterfinals only today. And, Noah, again, those those three teams seem like the prime ones to, to play postseason ball. We know Indiana State was probably going to. They were the one seed in that tournament. Um but even with an experienced team as they were, they have some young players, so it was warranted for them to be in something like this. We were seeing the posts they were making of being on the beach and everything. It was like a second MTE they were able to do. I'll let you dive into that game. And then Drake and Bradley, their season's ending a little early. Yeah, the, we knew that Bradley was going to the NIT, and they got that draw um, to travel to Wisconsin the first game, and they just – they played for him a little bit. It was close here and there, but just didn't have enough to get past a really, really good Wisconsin team. It was Stephen Crowell. They made him look like a potential um, lottery pick in the NBA guy that shot like 31% on, on the year from three, um, knocked down five of seven, 12 of 16, 36 points, nine rebounds for him. Uh, Rink Mass could not guard him very well. So that was the end of that for Bradley. Then, uh, just talk about Indiana State before we dive into Drake, the more important one. Indiana State, they lost in overtime to Eastern Kentucky today. Just really close game back and forth. They led at some points, um, but East 
Eastern Kentucky came roaring back just like Eastern Kentucky did in the first round um, to get past Kubernetes and Voss McCauley, both at 17. Uh, Vila had 15 and six and two steals, but not enough for the Sycamore. So their season's in. So that that's the last of it for Voss McCauley and Kubernetes in a Sycamore uniform. Yeah, and they went out with a bang this season. I mean, looking at that box score, McCauley almost shot nothing but threes in this game. That could have did them in a little bit. Yeah, their whole starting starting five did score in double digits, only had about 14 bench points. And that's exactly what we, you know, what they are. They, I mean, heck, they shot 53% and they scored 88 points, just didn't get the job done and a heartbreaker. So, again, it, it was it made sense for them to do or to play postseason uh, because they got some young, really good players to build around, and then they also had those veterans wanted to go out on top. Uh, but like I said, at least they ran it. They were the one seed in that. And then, yes, that final game, Noah, Drake, We like I said, we kind of had a feeling, oh, hopefully it's not Miami they have to play. We know Miami was, you know, won the regular season in the ACC, didn't win the ACC tournament. And now they're in the Sweet 16 beating Indiana last night. That could have been the road for Drake. So, uh, obviously, and no, we were at beat. I was watching this game because it was just prime spot to watch a lot of the games. And I think it was, it was, and we know Dono Brody's got the option, but I mean, he was on fire at the end of, you know, Arch Madness and then no end of this tournament. He was the reason why. And Miami had that center that we weren't in on in the portal, but just remembering him, the Arkansas State transfer, he was dominant. He was kind of injured going into that game. He was dominant last night. Uh, Brody was doing just fine against him. Brody probably had a career high in attempts and had, you know, almost about 20 or more points in this game. He was saving him because Noah Tucker didn't get the job done when he was all the talk going into this game, obviously, from the national media, knowing he's one of the best college players. But Drake had him at one point, and then Noah just blew it in the end, ending their season. And then, uh, like I said, Miami's in the Sweet 16. They're good, but Drake had a chance. But they, like I said, Tucker kind of shot them out of – and and obviously ended their season with him shooting as bad as he did. Yeah, five at halftime for Drake, then getting outscored by 12 in the second half. I mean, Tucker, three points, one of 13 shooting, one of 11 from three. Just can't happen. Your best player has to show up in those games. Um, yeah, you mentioned Brody. He, he played his ass off. Um, Garrett Sturts only had two points, one rebound, all-time – career rebounding guy only had one rebound and he was where we've seen him kill us and kill the whole valley sold in arch madness he hit that floater a thousand times we've seen in his career and he wasn't doing that against these guys i don't know if he was scared of the big guy the shot blocker down low but there was opportunities he could use that floater and got some more points on the board when they were struggling but um, calhoun was great off the bench 12.6 rebounds but Miami's talented squad, Nigel Pack, Poplar, and the big man you mentioned. I mean, Isaiah Wong, they're really their best player. 5.6 rebounds, 1 of 10 shooting. They did a really nice job on him defensively. Yeah, and James Laranega said after the game that Drake was the best defensive team they played all season. And we know they're a great offensive team. They are good defensive. But for him to say that, and we were joking because they play in the ACC, that just shows you how bad the defense was in the ACC this year, I guess. But, yeah, they held him a 30% shooting. So you would think Drake had a good chance to win. But they, as soon as Miami pressed them at the end of the game, they kind of faltered and had they had 12 turnovers, which isn't too crazy. But a lot of that happened in the second half, uh, and they let it squeak away. Uh, yeah, Tucker's shooting that bad. It's unfortunate. So Drake's season ended there. Um, 
And as we mentioned, we're already to this point in uh, March Madness now in the Sweet 16. Just run down because there's, you know, we talk about the irony of players that went to certain places and what players made the tournament. We know Kent State made it. Chris Payton, who was playing well, he had a matchup with uh, Trace Jackson Davis. Indiana beat them in the first round, just knowing that he made it. Mizzou made it, got to the second or got to the second game of the tournament. We know all the guys that were there. Sean East was playing really well from Johnny. Isaiah Mosley, we know, left the team and wasn't in it at the end. Noah Carter played really well in that game. They lost to Princeton, who know, as we know, Blake Peters, who was a teammate of Lance Jones in high school at Evanston and a sophomore, had 17 points in like 15 minutes and beat them. And Princeton's heading to the Sweet 16. Um, and I think that's everyone that we know about of, uh, you know, former Valley players or whatever that are still in tournament or that were in it. We know Simo got in, lost a heartbreaker to Corpus Christi in the and the play in for the 16 seed. And we know Fairleigh Dickinson is a 16 beat Purdue and Matt Painter. So a lot of stuff has happened. Northwestern with Chris Lowry made a nice run into their season. So that's where we are. So we'll follow it just more and more. Um, obviously, March Madness is a special time. It's unfortunate that Drake season ended early. So now Noah segueing into one of the other biggest news of the main headlines here before we get into our season is Kennard Davis. He, he The team went out, had struggles early in their season. As we know, they got healthy. And no, I don't think they lost again. We saw him twice this year. It was an honor to watch him play. Uh, you know, we're tweeting about him, getting love from him. Javon Lamont was talking to us about him all, you know, the two times we've been able to see him. And Noah, he cut down the nets himself, making it his third, should have been fourth state title. We know 2020 was scrapped. But Noah, dive into what Kennard had been doing. I mean, we talk about the opponents that he had to face weren't the best, but, you know, they can control what they can control. And it's they just blew everybody out, and Kennard was a big reason for that. So he had a, you were able to watch this game. You had to, People had to pay a little bit to watch it. You were able to. Saw Kennard get a nice – uh, get a nice block in that game, Noah, and they sealed the deal, like I said, with his third state championship. Yeah, big-time finish for this group. I mean, they just – they played um, in postseason-wise. The championship game was their um, best competition, and it still didn't matter. Uh, but Kennard really didn't do much in that championship game. It was the semifinal game where he had 20 points, seven rebounds, four steals – um, but in that in that championship game, he played pretty well, um, had a couple steals, nice block um, that we retweeted and had, I think, eight or nine points. So really, really, uh, really good finish to his career. I mean, some of these guys that have won state championships like that, I mean, that's that's one of the key things when Brian and this staff took over. They wanted to recruit winners and um that's one of the first things you can look at with this kid that the championships he won and the pedigree of the school he went to, um, that he is a winner. Yeah. And we, um, talked about, yeah, as you said, they want winners and we were thinking, and we don't recall, they talked about it a couple of seasons ago or last season about recruiting winners. And I don't think any of them have, some of them might, but I don't think any of them have three state titles to their name. So Kanar might be the winningest high school player coming into this program under, Brian and yeah, class four state champions. He did it on Missouri State's court. So that's notable. He'll be hopefully scoring a lot of points in that gym as time goes on. So he got used to it himself there. As you mentioned, he did a lot in the semifinals and then and didn't have to do as much because they blew him out. And then he's got a lot of talented teammates 
but we did tweet another just the model of consistency that they are. And now that his high school career is over, now we get into the spring and the summer, and he starts coming to Carbondale after he graduates. That it'll be ramping up for that next season. So awesome job, Kennard. Uh, like I said, three-time state champion, 4A. Incredible career he had there. Like I said, it was an honor to watch him twice in those couple of shootouts. So congrats to Vashon boys basketball. So definitely want to talk about that. Uh, no, real fast, just in terms of commits, I had on here. Let's talk about Jack Stanton for a second. If you have anything on him, we he actually has been playing his own postseason ball recently, or he posted some highlights. He was at the Bradley game, the blackout game that we that we know about. He was one of those guys you know, that they've kind of, you know, kind of gradually what, you know, whatever Brian knows him through certain avenues. And uh, as we know, we, we offered him and then no, we had a 2023 interest about a couple of weeks ago that you can dive into as well, just to get the 2023 guys out of the way before we move on here. Yeah. Unless I miss it, I'm not sure we have officially offered him. I know he got a Dartmouth offer. Um but unless I missed it, but the, he lost in the state semifinals to a really good Moline team um, with Brock Harding, Owen Freeman headed to um, Iowa. Then they lost in the third place game to uh, New Trier. Um, so fourth place finish in his senior or is in his junior year. He's really, I mean, ball is live tweeting about him and really improving his game. Um, they defeated Chicago Kenwood or Chicago Whitney Wunt. Whitney Young at UIC, so maybe after another good senior year, he'll he'll like playing once a year at that gym, hopefully, because um, I think eventually we will officially offer him. Um, but yeah, we did reach out to um, had some interest at another player, uh, a twenty twenty three guy. So I was wondering if this happens. Name's MJ Thomas, a six seven forward from Ditton, Texas has some interest or has offers from Vanderbilt, Oklahoma State, Sacramento State, and New Orleans. Um, we have not offered this kid yet, but we've seen tweets and retweeted stuff that um, we are still interested in this kid. This is a guy that I'd compare to maybe a Jay Sean Henry type game, has just that powerful guy down low. Um, he can step out unlike Jay Sean a little bit. So, but I think he's leaning Vanderbilt. This is a high academic guy, um, but really like his skills potential. If there's a late, I think we had offered him by now. If there's an actual potential to get him, but interesting that we still have interest in a guy like that. Yeah. And the fact that we make, you know, it's these tweets that people make and we follow him on Twitter, he follows us back. And you're right about Vanderbilt. He's got him pinned to his Twitter. So I'm sure that's the ideal place for him. And I don't see why not being in the SDC. Vanderbilt had a nice year this year, made the NIT. And it's all about how you can sell a guy on, you know, how you're currently playing. And we'll get to some people leaving programs that are having some of the best success they've had in a very long time. And sometimes that might not matter, but I would definitely say if you play at the highest level, you, you go to the SEC if you can. So just the fact that we're in on him because it's the first 2023 guy we've heard about, uh, you know, and, and a little bit, and obviously he's got the size and the potential. And if you're getting looks from those, that means if we're interested in him, that means we have a shot. We know we've been surprised before. So I want to talk about that. Noah, quickly, we know alum Tyler Smith-Peters, you were at the game. He won uh, the regional that, you know, John A. always seems to have won. They beat Ben Sins. Tyler got region coach of the year. And Noah, John A. ended their regular season on a 27-game win streak. 
the ultimate impressive because you talk about that game you ran, it didn't look like it was going to be in their favor. But no, this is one of the most impressive performances I can remember. Like he filled in for Kyle, as we know, who Kyle went to Mizzou. And Tyler had a seamless transition with it seemed like a, a talented roster, but not as talented as once Kyle has had in the past. I don't know if that's competition or whatever. They had like Kurt Lewis to lead them. Uh, but no, 27 games is no fluke, clearly. And I wonder, interesting to see how they do in the tournament because Kyle doesn't have success in this tournament. We'll see if Tyler can. And just moving forward, I wonder if he continues to have a lot of success. Who knows where his coaching career can take him? But no, that was a about as perfect of a regular season as you can get it. All that matters is in the postseason. You were at that game. And then talk about their quick matchup. But again, just Tyler is an incredible job in year one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as young as he is and the, the growth he can have, um, he could potentially um, be really good at John A. I mean, the players they have are really good. I mean, they got the number three got number three Juco player in the country and Kurt Lewis, um, who's headed to Mizzou. They have a guy that's blowing up. KJ DeBrick, their big man has an offer from a zoo and um, another offer as well. And then they have guys like Quamari Peterson, who started his career at Indiana state was hurt there, came here. He's blowing up with offers. Elijah Jones, who is at USI. Um, then they have Isaiah Stafford, the other one that's getting a lot of offers right now. Um, just really talented guys getting the number one, over, number one overall seed um, in the national tournament. They get to, actually watch part of the playing game to see who they'd play tomorrow at 2 p.m. if anybody's interested. Um, they now play Monroe College, a team that's without their 6'10", really good big man, but probably John A's Logan's luck. He'll be back tomorrow. So um, going to be an interesting matchup. I, I like this team. Usually going into a national tournament or a tournament for John A, I say, well, I know they got the talent, but can they put it together? But watching this growth of this team this this season after a tough start with a mix of new guys and a new coach that had no experience at it. So really like this team. 2 p.m. tomorrow, like I said, if anybody wants to tune in, I think it's on NJCAA TV. Just look that up. It's probably – I assume there's a paywall, but I think it's not that much as well. Yeah, and it's just because just, just they're local and Tyler coaches them, it's worth talking about, and we know – we should be more in on John A players, you know, over the course of time. We never have been. Uh, and and you said that uh, it's or you said Simo staff was at that game before they made the trip to their playing or playing as a 16 seed game. So just the fact that it is local, we wanted to mention the fact that Tyler's just done an incredible job. Um, so wanted to mention that. And like I said, we'll see how we we'll see how we, number one overall seed. We'll see how he does and see what he can do. What his brother. Could not. And we know that great 2020 team that Kyle had got scrapped with COVID. That team probably would have won it all, but we'll see if Tyler can get it done. Uh, we saw Aaron Cook post his final highlight tape of this past season. He looks as good as ever. And offensively, he's about as, you know, uh, refined as he ever had been in his whole basketball career, I'm sure, the older he gets. Uh, so he posted that. I did see Barrett Benson have like an 18 and 14 game recently because we haven't notify or haven't kept up with some of the guys we know cash and kvn are still doing their thing and armand and the g league don't have the full updates on that but one of the mention we haven't seen aaron cook in a little bit we talked about him a couple pods ago but he's doing big things posted the highlight tape on instagram all right so there's the main headlines 
Now, no, let's talk about this 2022-2023 season. As we know, you know, the, all the blindsidedness we got in the summer of who we were getting, but we knew this team was going to mold into <clears throat> had young talent and had experience. And that was everything that a lot of people put on us and certain expectations, whether it was from the media, we we remember uh, just in the preseason of Rocco Miller putting us in as a, as a 12 seed and the NCAA tournament beforehand because he mentioned our experience, said that we had what it took in the conference tournament. So like before we even play a game, people are putting that on us. But then the conference, obviously, and the preseason had us at the three seed, which is where we obviously ended up. So all the all those expectations were there. So that had to that was the laying of the groundwork at the start. So we knew we had to live up to these expectations because a lot of people are putting that on us. We haven't had expectations like that in a very long time. Obviously, the first gender Brian and the first time in a while. And we'll get to the fact uh, that we lived up to that seating and most things throughout the season. So one of the start off with that. No, jumping into the schedule, I think, you know, and we'll dive into it because ironically, and we talked about at the time. In the preseason, when we had exhibitions and we had secret scrimmages that we were talking about, lo and behold, two of those teams are both moving on to the Sweet 16. Kansas State as a three seed, getting there, led by two studs that we got the chance to play. And then Alabama, who's the top overall seed. And we know they've had a lot of team issues, but they've gotten to this point and they're the favorite to win the championship. Noah, jump in, but I'll jump in, or we'll go through the schedule. But Noah, it's fair to say that the the exhibitions at the start of the at the start of the season set us up for the season that we had. Is that fair to say? We'll go through. I do have the box score, uh, which I guess I can jump into or look at. Uh, I had it on me here. Well, obviously we, we lost by nine. A couple of things we didn't shoot that well. Neither did they. Brandon Miller and. 14 on 13 shots. We remember following it during SIU football game, but we played with them, had it really close, lost by nine. It was a charity exhibition. But again, the point is we played those two teams that are now in the Sweet 16. We know how good they were, and that set us up to the season that we had because no, shortly into this schedule, obviously, and the biggest game we've had in a long time in that special road game in Stillwater, we got the job done. And we've said at the time that I think that those exhibitions clearly set us up for that game on the road and we were able to get the job done. You know your thoughts on that. And then obviously into that season, because then, you know, we thought we were riding high after that. Lo and behold, people were predicting and it came true. The next game, clearly, you know, we flat or fell flat on our faces after a great win with a terrible loss that's that kind of made it wishwash throughout the year, not record-wise, but just in terms of how we were looked at at the end of the year and resume-wise, it kind of hurt us. You know, your thoughts on a little bit of the start of the season, the ex- exhibitions, and most of the games to start out our season? Yeah, I definitely think that playing those games just gives you some confidence, saying, hey, we can compete against these top teams in the country um, instead of playing an exhibition against um, – a, a division two team or a D three team that you should just take care of business against. And um, it, it prepares you for what it could be, what, what games are like, it's going to be a grind during the season. And you start off with playing those two teams pretty well, um, seeing where you're at, then you get a home game against little rock, which will probably the end of seeing them on our schedule. Um, blow them out, get revenge from them knocking you off to start last year. Then obviously you get the the biggest one of our season at Oklahoma State and probably the biggest factor of them 
one of the biggest factors of not them not making the tournament, getting that large bid is that loss early in the year at home against us, which it's it's a big win. It was where we thought what we thought we could do and we did it and and in the end it looks like well if they lose losing that game us beating them there you just in the back of my mind it thinks well what's what what this year what's the out that they could get out of this contract somehow and not have to come to Carbondale because um that loss on their resume is a big blemish especially if you look at the next game where before going into the SoCal SoCal challenge with a lot of momentum um you go play in Southern Indiana's division one home opener and they just embarrass you. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned, cause that was a topic of, would you rather play teams that you have the potential of getting blown out by? And luckily we didn't. And either one, we, we knew more about Alabama game than we did Kansas state game, but we saw highlights and knew about that was within like a 10 point game. Uh, or you just go blow out a team. And we said, well, that's where we want to see more chemistry. That's where we want to see, you know, just more fitting of the team and seeing with our own eyes in a home game, uh, you know. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that was kind of a topic of which one people would prefer. And I would always prefer playing the good teams and taking your chances. Like I said, luckily it went your way. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Little Rock, they're struggling. They they were the team that, you know, they didn't even get to play in their uh, conference tournament. We know the OBC does that. And they lost to Lindenwood to, and uh, to have that right to be able to do it. And, you know, they've had guys enter the portal now just to – they're in a weird spot. We do have a rubber match set up, though, but I agree. We're not going to see them again. And then, yeah, I mean, the, you're right because we've we've searched a lot and just seen a lot of people say – Oklahoma State fans talking about always mentioning that game and why it, it hurt them. And, yeah, they were one of the last four teams in. They were one seed in the NIT. Uh, and I want to say that they lost. Didn't they lose to Hofstra, I think, in the first game? Or that was Rutgers. I think Oklahoma State, they might have won. They might have moved on. I haven't, now they, got a, they got a road win now that I'm thinking about out loud in my head. Um, so, yeah, they had to settle with that because and they almost got in. It was because of that of that loss to us and being at home, lo and behold. And we know that game had a lot. To, we found out before that game that Scotty got hurt. We knew JD wasn't playing, so we kind of just going in thinking we were going to get blown out, to be honest. And at the time, we were. We were down 10 at one point, stormed back. Troy was our center. He had Clarence off the bench, and you kind of just went with it. And Marcus had one of the clutchest shots we've seen in that corner, and Troy was doing his best on Musa Cisse. It was just the absolute – I'm not going to say the peak, but when you beat a team like that, it arguably is the peak of your season. It was only the second regular season game. So, yeah, you win by one. One of the biggest wins, we'll get to accolades that the team posted, and that included of what you're, you know, what you're able to do for the first time in forever. So, yeah, you have that game, and then you bounce around, yeah, with USI hosting that first D1 home game. And, see, and we do have the, as you mentioned, the contracts with Oklahoma State getting them at home and USI next year at home. We should have got them at home in their first year because then that loss wouldn't look as bad for us. We know USI had a decent season, clear. I mean, they, they were, you know, middle or lower in the OBC at times, but they were all, they were awesome at home. They beat Indiana State at home, but they were terrible on the road. Uh, and then they were in the CBI as well. But, yeah, that was a terrible loss. They just play so much. They play so quick. They didn't have Oh Boy. That is a crazy rebounder. They didn't even have him in that game. So they kind of just sped us up. It was close around halftime, and then they just exploded in the second half. So that was a downer, clearly. We had like we shot terrible in that game, as I recall, and then and then the Tennessee State game, which yeah was the ramp up for the MTE, and then you know 
we find out around that time, which into the game, we'll, we'll talk about it, but for that game or a day before, Brian was mentioning how we might have seen J.D. in this game, but he had a setback, apparently didn't play, and Noah, that casted away one of the biggest topics of the season, and I guess we can jump into now, and we'll, and we'll do it again maybe of, you know, overall uh, opinions of just everything, but you know, this is the game we saw Cade come in, and like I said, J.D. suffered a setback that he uh, he wasn't going to play. We thought he was going to play in this game. We saw K, but Noah, it didn't make sense because if we beat Oklahoma State with Troy and Clarence, why couldn't we do it with against Tennessee State? Well, you know you could, and there were moments in that game where it kind of got a little whenever we know junior Clay, Tennessee State was a fine team this year. But, no, we saw K in this game. We were utmost surprised. They talked after the game about why Brian told them that um, – why Brian told him that he was going to play and stuff. And no, I think that was a big reason why, or something big that, you know, transcended this season in a good or a bad way. I mean, no, again, that kind of did that to this season because we were utterly surprised. And obviously we don't, we're not really a huge fan of it now looking on it because obviously that's Kate's freshman year and it's done in the blink of an eye with that, with playing not even half the games. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you're going to, if you're going to burn the red shirt, then he's going to, play um in almost every game and make an impact and grow as a player but playing in the I mean he played pretty well in the MTE when we got to see him um then he looked halfway decent um in that game as well against Tennessee State came in and made got some rebounds and scored a little bit got to line but it just sucks that it puts you in that that obviously he can now there's no potential extra year with him that he's going to be a sophomore now. And he's, he's now in the exact same class as Scotty and uh, Foster. So if those three stick it out and Troy or Troy will be, but in those three as well, if they stick it out, they'll be seniors together. Yeah. Cause we figured all along that Kate was probably going to redshirt. It made sense. Even with setbacks, it doesn't matter if you do what you did the game prior or against Oklahoma State, you can get by with it against Tennessee State. So at the time, obviously, and, and you know, without looking at it, I mean, he, he obviously scored in the game, and then that segued into the actual SoCal Challenge, and he didn't play against UNLV, neither did Foster. We know that was a crazy game. UNLV ended up going 10-0 and then phased out the rest of the season. They had a lot of guys enter the portal today, actually. Uh, but that was – and UNLV probably still was. Bradley and Drake aside, maybe – UNLV was still the best defensive team we played all season. They held us to 49. We held them to 56. Couldn't get the job done. No, that was a that was a game that could have looked good on us, the quad one or quad two win we could have had in that regard. So left it on the board there. And then we and then the next day or the couple days later at these midnight games, we had Cal Baptist, Taryn Armstrong, who also entered the portal recently, beat them in overtime. As we know, Marcus went nuclear in that game. Uh, that did us that did us good. I think Cal Baptist ended up, you know, being decent in their conference and phased out themselves. But at the time, not bad. You know, you fight for an overtime win. And then you get in the conference play early. We were at the Evansville game. We smoked him, and then we went at SLU. Some of these games here that we were kind of hitting a rough stretch in the season, lost by 13 at their place, and then at home against Indiana State and that stinker uh, to get us into those three games that we know, you know, didn't really do us a whole lot of good throughout this. Steamo barely won, and then we got into conference play, but we ended up getting third, obviously. And a lot of good games in this, a lot of good stretches. We were having a lot of good home wins, a lot of good road losses, and the Missouri State one comes to mind. And then we know at the end of the season, 
when you got Bradley and Drake again, Drake embarrasses you. You barely went at Valpo, and then you host Bradley in that great game that it came down to an and one by a guy we'll be mentioning here shortly uh, that had that game. And you had it won with many opportunities, and that was uh, – and you got swept by Bradley. You only got swept by Bradley, and that's that's it, I believe, right? We only got swept by Bradley this year. Yeah. Correct. That seems right. So then we finished the season, had a nice senior night win against you and I. Bowen Bourne barely played in that game. And then we went to the USI. One of our favorite games we've been to was the game at USI. We we had we like to enjoy before Arch Madness hit. Obviously, we know about how those games went on. So for the record that we were. So overall, I mean, we talked about strength of schedule. It wasn't my kind of thing that it wasn't. It was equally as bad or maybe worse than last year, even with the slew Oklahoma State UNLV games. We know last year we almost beat Creighton. We did beat Colorado, and it went throughout the season. But we talked about how lowly the Valley was. You're not going to get a whole lot of other decent wins throughout the season. Uh, so, obviously, that led into our strength of schedule for the most part. Now, let's talk about the pros and cons of the team itself. I had some written down here. We'll see, and you can add on some if you knew or that, you know, I don't have on here. We'll, we'll get into the players as well. But it seemed like, obviously, our newcomers were successful. X was our third leading scorer, followed by Clarence and Jawan. So they're packed in together, obviously. Jawan could have scored more. That's the biggest con with him uh, that he, you know, he should have been our third leading scorer. No excuse not to if you're averaging 14 or so at Evansville. You need to come here, injury or not, and and work your way in. We talked about how he didn't really fit in right away. He had to learn a couple more things. but. X, Clarence, and Jawan did their part, especially X and Clarence. For the most part, Clarence being a sophomore, Jawan had to do more. Other than that, they were pretty much successful. Defense was as expected. Uh, definitely, I think we're a better defensive team this year. Depth, we were more we were more deep this season than we were last season. Uh, experience was key, obviously, with some of the guys we added, and overall with an extra year with a lot of our players. And we were better in close games this year. No, we were ten and two within five points this season. Outside of last year, remember, we only beat Bradley at the top of the league. We weren't finishing those close games. So 10-2, and two, we did reverse it in that regard, and we were a better free-throw shooting team here this season. Now, any other pros that you can think of off the top of your head, if you have any, and then lead us in because you're looking at the same thing as me, if you agree with a lot of these cons that I was able to come up with. Yeah, definitely definitely agree at, at some of those. Um, the only one I would say is um, – depth at at some times i mean we were deeper but the the overall depth was not great at times we played a lot more guys but just didn't give anything out of a lot of those guys and guys you could have guys that we seen that could have been really good depth they did not get enough minutes so um just to start off the cons that was probably my biggest factor is that some guys did not um get enough playing time and just offensively the scoring lulls was just not good leaving points on the board. Um, per, um, you had on here per 100 possessions. That's how you committed 19.3 turnovers. According to Ken Palm, that's 258 out of 363 division one teams. So just really, really struggling with turnovers and the offense, um, that continues to not change and that we know that everybody knows that's our biggest problem with this team because we know our biggest pro is the defensive style we have. We just have to fix the offense and it's yet to change so far. 
Yeah, and we scored like 65.8 this year. We scored 64 on the dot last year. I think that obviously with that depth pro of, yeah, we weren't deep at times. We we mentioned, I remember tweeting at one point, the deeper we are, the better we are. And obviously that phased off through the rest of the season. Um, but clearly, I mean, yeah, 65.8 compared to, compared to 64, even with cash going 11. So I think Steven at six. Um but we did leave about eight to 10 points on the board this year, Mark. And you mentioned the lows there. It was throughout the lows of missing easy shots, Marcus at the rim, Lance's inefficient shots, just a lot of stuff. And that and that obviously total can fill out with Jawan just scoring more. As we already mentioned, like we could have scored. And I think the goal was this season. I think we gave it a number. We gave it a number of like 70 to 75 points per game, which isn't crazy. That's obviously what a whole lot of other teams scored this season per game. And, I, like I said, we left a lot on the board in that regard, missing easy shots and going on those lows. Uh, I mean, if you, I mean, we allowed like not even barely 60 throughout the year. Maybe it creeped up above 60 by the end of the season, but imagine you could have had 15 point difference of offense and, and, and defense scoring. So it obviously could have done us even better than we already were. And yeah, the turnovers, we know that was a problem at the start of the season. It kind of got better over the course of time. We mentioned if it's 10 or less, we usually, we won some games. We didn't still in that regard. Yeah, per 100 possessions, all that led us to being that number. And no, one of the biggest fits we had all season of the cons of this season was inconsistent rotations and in-game decisions. The in-game decisions part, we know, was the Bradley home game with two timeouts. And throughout most of the season, we always say it, if you're up three, you foul. And it's like stuff like that, stuff that even fans can pinpoint who know the game of basketball that you would think not every coach thinks the same throughout the whole country. Some guys let it play it out, and that's what Brian – did it and you know let us do in that game but also let us do a lot of times in the season or he'll call a random timeout in a possession whenever you're not getting anything going there's like seven seconds left on the shot clock and stuff like that so like still you know inopportune things in that regard to know the inconsistent rotations clearly because when scotty was back healthy foster's been healthy all season uh heck i mean we kind of we don't have to talk about because the next thing is player by player but like even AJ had 10 points against Alabama. We went back and looked at the box score. 10 points against Alabama. He had a huge three against Oklahoma State. And his minutes just dwindle all season long, barely see him at all. And it's not even really counting him, but it's the timing of certain rotations. It's who's coming in for who at what time. You know, I mean, you could think of some examples if you'd like. I mean, there are some points in the season where that happened that didn't really make sense. And then obviously, like I said, the end game decisions in terms of the timeout thing I mentioned, you can think of the Bradley game, but there's other examples as well. That was one of our biggest harps of the season was with the rotations almost all season long. Yeah, it's just the rotations of um, taking Lance and Marcus off the floor at the same times when we are in an offensive lull or when we are down five or six points, that's when you take Marcus and Lance off the floor together. Just made no sense. A lot of a lot of things. This staff um, has a lot of growing to do, and that's that's this that's the fan base's biggest thing about how how green is the grass for this staff, and they're young and they can grow. But it something needs to something's got to click and change with this staff. Um, I think it's a potential staff change or staff addition, but. Um, not sure that's going to happen because a lot of Saluki fans think um, the problem is the brother of your head coach, and we know he's probably not going anywhere. Um, but it's just one of those things where things, little adjustments here and there. We did see 
um, in some games throughout the season, better adjustments by the staff at halftime or something out because we were a second half team a lot of the season, but things, things are going to start to have click clicking for the staff to make some changes here and there or do something different um, because just playing, playing good defense and scoring 58 to 63 points a game is not going to cut it. No, you mentioned a great thing there. Of, um, well, one, yeah, the staff, we, we, cause we see it a lot. Some coaches have coaching trees. We've had the same staff outside of Connor Wheeler who left for SEMO until he gets a head coaching job. It doesn't count yet. And that'll be a long ways for him. Like to say, but he's actually an assistant coach compared to, you know, being a, uh, you know, player development guy over here. We have other guys like, uh, Old big boy from Iowa, can't think of his name. Like I don't know if he'll stay on. He was kind of a grad assistant, but we know he's important in practice. Uh, Tony Wills was still on the staff this year. Not sure what his future holds. And then, yeah, the same guys. We know they can recruit, and it does seem like in year four, like it, the young thing I don't think should be mentioned at all because when you're in a league and you're in a program for as long as they have now, just four seasons, that it, it needs to be more and more – refined in some of these aspects of a game and yeah that's a whole different topic we'll have through the offseason besides just mentioning it now because i think it is worth uh, mentioning that you're worth monitoring that they do need somebody else but again probably not going to happen but you mentioned the second half and that was the name of this season a lot of times we mentioned it throughout almost i think it was the more the second half of the season and it kind of was the case i guess it started oklahoma state you could say of storming back and winning a game we mentioned the 10 and 2 and five point games that was the free throw shooting it was a lot better uh, but second half in general was – so they, they were doing something right in that regard. So that was a pro of this, was the second half. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely say that uh, in the in the grand scheme of how how the staff went about things, that you're right, that they did kind of refine it more as the season went on. And uh, it just – you know, every coach isn't going to be perfect in a game, but clearly you could point out the bad moments and you could definitely point out the good moments. But – Definitely the second half thing I think was the biggest part. Glad you mentioned that. And then, I mean, player by player, I mean, we don't have to – I mean, we expect growth from more if they're here. That's another topic itself. But, no, I mean, Dalton seemed like the same guy. Uh, you know, he – you could tell he improved a little bit. We know he stocked up last year into this year. He's kind of still the same player. Jawan regressed offensively, uh, you know, with his age and everything. But – athletically and injury-wise, didn't seem to affect him again. Clarence as a sophomore was really good in his first year, had his cons. We know Clarence is really good, thin move around the rim, scoring at the rim. Defense needs some work, obviously, but as a sophomore, we like where he's headed. X should have assisted more. He was on fire with that at the start of the season and then became more of a rebounder than an assist guy. He did lead it. He was second on the team in assists. Uh, uh, Troy was the same player. You think he obviously improved. I think Troy obviously definitely improved. And he said, I don't really, he didn't say he didn't like playing center. He'll do what he's supposed to, but we know he's that three or four mold. JD finally getting back helped us a lot this season and rebounding. We'll make tweets about these guys. Now that we'll know some things and we'll get to the guys who can return about post on our Twitter at some point. We need to make some about Jawan and JD though. Uh, just, that just reminds me. JD was crucial when he came back and rebounding defensively when he had to his free throw shooting was equally still as bad as it ever had been and we you know stinks finding out that he's out of eligibility we knew that near the end of the season officially uh trent coming off the injury related season last year played in a lot of games some games he did he went eight games without scoring some games he didn't even play he kind of got better as the season went on 
And then I'll let you tie into these other these other players that I didn't mention. I'll let you talk about Lance and his the fact that he kind of got worse here in his final year. We know he's been going through a lot in his in his family life. That wasn't towards the end of the season, but just he's dealt with a lot in his career. You wonder if like a decline had something to do with that, maybe with just athletically, you know, gaining weight, just everything. He kind of has a freedom that he kind of lived with and had the green lights. And we'll talk about Lance's season as a whole and the inconsistencies and then dive into other players I didn't mention, like Scotty, like Foster, like the guys who had inconsistent PT. Yeah, I mean, starting with Lance, this is just a guy that um, we knew watching him in high school that he was a really get-downhill guy that would go to the hole, just reminded me in high school as a um, – an old name of a, like a Jalen Pendleton, like just a guy that can get downhill and go score at the bucket. But when he got here, he became one of the better shooters we've seen and led the Valley his sophomore year in three point field goal percentage at 40, almost 43% shooting. I mean, a guy that had developed into that and be able to hit, hit a shot like that. I think it, for him, um, obviously he had a lot weighing on his heart and demons he was fighting towards the end of conference play, but this is a guy there. I think it started with shot selection. I mean, the threes he took, um, unless, and I mean, he had the green light obviously from the staff, but I thought at some point the staff had to get, get to him that go to the paint. This is Brian preaches paint touches, and I really think it started there with him. Just the shot selection is where where it really got to him because we've seen the streaks this year of in a game he dipped three or, three or four in a row and he was feeling it. But just a lot of mental, I think, with him as well. If he didn't see the first couple go in, that he was still going to shoot them, but he didn't have the confidence he shot with. I think him and Marcus both kind of sometimes – shot with a little bit of hitch I mentioned throughout the season. It was just really never a natural flowing shot that you'd like to see. But Scotty with the the injury falling off a a damn scooter, 68 weeks he was out. Really, I mean, that right there. And JD's a little bit of probably a JD setback with his back is why you burnt Cade's red shirt. Um, The times we did see Scotty, I mean, listed at 6'10", 265, he played like that. He was a monster. He just overpowered guys, ran the floor as hard as he could. And those four to five minute stretches, you got to see him just didn't get to see it. Um, we've heard, I've heard that maybe potentially the worth ethic is not there. And I said, and I went back at the person I was talking to and said, well, that's funny. All they did is praise him and foster last year for the extra work they would put in getting the extra workouts at the team hotels or something like that. And he said, well, that was, that's an, that was in Foster's case that Foster did put the work in and maybe that Scotty also doesn't put the work in in academics as well. That's just from a person that was close to the team last year. Then with Foster's um, we saw the stretches of shooting he could have. It just, it sucks because there was games, a stretch of games where he gets thrown in there and he'd miss one at the end of the end of the game or something like that and just not get a consistent flow of the game to get in rhythm. But there was times this season where he got us going. He hit a big three, 
in the Oklahoma State games, and we saw him hit a couple big threes throughout the season when this team needed offense in those lulls in the first half when it just got to a point where you saw it, all right, seven, eight minutes, what are, what are we going to do? And that was when he got thrown in there, and it's like he's forced in there and has to go in there and do something and just puts him in a bad spot, especially as a redshirt freshman that hasn't got a lot of playing time. It's a great point, and I think that's the, he's the one of the whole scope of this season that I kind of scratched my head at because you saw an example of Indiana State home game where we lost and blew it. He came in and saved us when we were down, and I got there at halftime, and you said beforehand because it was so bad at the point of just don't even come because we were losing by so bad, and he was a big part of us storming back into that game. We saw one or a couple UIC at the end of the season. We saw it so many times. He would immediately come in and score, and it didn't make any sense. Like the UNLV game, sure, okay, a team that harps on you like that, but still, I mean, how else is the guy going to learn? I feel like if a defense like that at that level can – you know, if he turns it over, so like so be it. Like other guys turn it over as well. You can afford his potential production of taking, like we've said multiple times, the iffy defense or just the fact that he would turn it over because everyone else does. But his production offensively makes up for the mistakes that he would make. And we mentioned how he would come in. And I don't think anybody can really pinpoint anything he didn't do well besides miss a couple of shots. And as you said, yeah, whenever we really need it, they'll throw him in there, and it's like he's pressured. But sometimes he lived up to it and actually made him. So, and, you know, I'm playing in only 24 games, seven minutes a game on average. I mean, he clearly should have got more, as we know, this year. He should have played as a true freshman, him and Scotty, as we know. And those are the two biggest what-ifs in terms of what the team could have been from a scoring standpoint, from everything standpoint. Like I said, you from a, from a competitive standpoint or – you know, throwing teams off, throwing a 6'10", 250 guy in there or throwing a sharpshooter in there can change the aspect of a game, the flow, the momentum of how a different coach has to coach against it. Like so many things that I think as a basketball fan, I would think makes sense, you know. So definitely, you know, and you're right, they threw him in at weird points for him to get going and he lived up to it this season. So and you throw an AJ, as I mentioned. 10 points against Alabama, a huge thing against Oklahoma State, spotty at times. Mentioned how if he gets like a five or six minute run in a game, he'll be just fine. He plays kind of out of control, but he's also a, a work in progress, and that's what they treated him as this year. But again, we talked about why go get a young D2 player that needs that work at a position you needed this season. Why even go get him? If you kind of knew you would need work, but we knew how important this season was, we could have been even better if AJ played a lot and – or that, or if they clearly don't recruit him and go elsewhere and use that scholarship. And we'll talk, you know, we'll talk into the offseason. The guy coming in is playing the same position as him. We like, we like AJ's potential, but at a time in the season where we, where we needed his spot to be filled, they should have went elsewhere in that regard. But we're not giving up on him yet, but just knowing this past season was kind of a wash for him and only playing in 11 games. And then Cade, yeah, shouldn't have played 11 games. Played well when he was in there for the most part. I think at times he struggled at the end of the season, but he was also throwing it, whether it was garbage time or whatever. But at least he got that run. And we were talking, you know, we remember what Ronnie Watson said at the end of the season. They've got an NBA talent on our hands. It's like, well, he'd be playing if he was an NBA talent. Whether And if he's an NBA talent you want to save, you redshirt him no matter what. And you let him sit. You don't waste his first year. And then now he's got three years because he now beats the COVID eligibility that other people that now of Marcus and Lance's class in the year after – would only get uh, the rest of the way. So now three years left with that and everything. And, and you talked about Lance. He was 
let's see here. He was a – we know he came as a profession, but you know, he got better at a lot of things every season. So we were hoping this season was going to be where he put it all together. And he had the makings of everything put together, his defense with his offense. With he never, He's always been a decent passer, not the best. He's that combo guard that he's a scorer more than he is a passer. Uh, had great moments, but, yeah, the inconsistency flailed to a level we can't even fathom. He still scored 1,500 points in his career. He shot 36.8% from the field and 28 from three. Just a catastrophic collapse in production that he had. And, I mean, the numbers bared out in 31 minutes. I mean, from this season to any anything in his career, it's not even close. He was so efficient his second and third year, and then he comes to this season. So he still made all defensive team, and he was still great uh, at times. But obviously there were times where he he ended you in most games. And obviously, as we know, Marcus, first-team All-Valley member, led us in four of the top five categories. He's the epitome of a of a of a trend, of a – of a absolute number one on a team. And yes, we'll get into the decisions that they'll be making. Maybe this week we'll have another episode on it. And that's the main focus of it all. But Marcus and Lance had awesome seasons. And I love what X brought us. Clarence brought us. If those two can be the next guys moving forward, all depending. Jawan gave us a good, I'd say good. It was really underwhelming for Jawan and JD. And then everyone else has got eligibility. Uh, but overall, Clearly, we're star star dominant for the most part. We were honestly almost too star reliant this season. Definitely in Marcus's case. So some things that changed the course of the season was definitely Scotty getting hurt in that damn scooter accident, as you said, missing that time because we don't see Cade Redshirts all season if Scotty doesn't get hurt. That's a fact. And JD's nagging injury, Tennessee State. I mean, who knows? We talk about JD's injury history since he's gotten here. If he never gotten hurt to the level of this amount of times, who knows what he could have been for us throughout his whole career. Um, and then Jawan should have scored more. And then there was a post they made about the accolades at the end of the season. Then we'll move on to more of the offseason stuff here. They did post a building blocks episode and some things they had here. When we finished 23 and 10, we had the most wins since the 06 07 season. Closed the year eight games over 500 in Missouri Valley play, the best since 07. Won a true road game over a Power Five team for the first time since 2000. That was Oklahoma State. Beat a Power 6 team three years in a row for the first time in program history. No, if we recall, that's Oklahoma State. That's Colorado. And then, the, and then three years ago was who? I'm trying to think off the top of my head, if you recall. Colorado? Colorado. Yeah, Colorado last year. Then the year before that, I'm not sure exactly off the top of my head. Off the top of my head, I don't know. I'll fact check real quick. Yeah, well, and then – so, you know, we'll figure that out. So that has a first time program history. It's kind of Butler. Crazy. Butler had to be it. Yeah. And that may, we talked about, we'll talk. Well, yeah, that, that game was special on its own, breaking their home winning streak, no matter what Butler's been the last couple of years, that one counts. Yes. And then finish the season with the highest RPI since 2008, 74th. We talked about the other things. Kempom, we flailed in net. We kind of fell down in, of course, but RPI, of course, which is what they've always Thing that, the thing that's been around forever, it seemed like. So that's the highest. End of the season, ranked 12th nationally and first in the NBC in scoring defense at 61.4. I'm sure right there with Bradley. Extended its home non-conference winning streak to 19 games, the longest since 99 through 2003. And then we had three players named in all conference teams. That was X or Marcus and Lance on the all teams and then X with Lance on the all defensive team. So obviously a lot of firsts for the first time. So clearly – Overall successful season, we had a 17.6 increase in average home attendance from the previous season. That obviously factors in, you know, we were at games last year and COVID was kind of gradually, but I think that factors in a little. People were just going to more games for their own sake. This season, obviously, with a better team on the court as well. We averaged about 5,034 fans per game. 
and we played seven games at Vantara Center with 5,000 or more fans there and three games with 65 or more fans there. And the 7,100 fans at the Belmont game on New Year's Day, the largest home crown in seven seasons. So, Noah, your overall final thoughts on this season of clearly those facts right there mean it. I mean, we talked about how if you're in the right direction as a program, which we clearly are, and all depending about what happens with these players' decisions can obviously transform everything. But clearly in the fourth year, like you don't want it to be this kind of – because you wanted a season like this earlier with this core guys. But we know Marcus's injury and everything's played up to this point where this is kind of the first season, you know, and you get help from the portal, which we will continue to. So that helps in it as well. But obviously in the fourth season, doing everything we haven't done – in 15 years means we had a successful season and everything leading up with the crowds, with everyone, like I said, with COVID, whatever people coming back to games and it showed in the crowds this season that helped us a lot only having two home losses all season long. I mean, know your overall thoughts of the season, obviously, and what was a very successful one. Yeah, obviously getting to the win mark that we got to um, with not as a tough a schedule as we would like, um, but winning those 23 games and knowing in that our in our minds that we know there's probably five or six that probably should have won uh that puts you at 28 and who knows how the season goes but um yeah just another really good season um not how we wanted to finish going out we got to that next step though um when we've been talking, I said baby steps and we did take another baby step this year, getting to Saturday in arch madness. Um, the, the program's trending in the right direction. Um, Mike Reese talked about it in his, um, interview on in the doghouse to finish the year that Brian said he wanted to build this program the right way. Um, and he's starting to do that. And we knew that potentially, um, Mike said that it was going to be a longer one and that doing it the right way, um, it takes time. And he's started to do that and it's trending in the right direction. But at this point in the way this season ended, it's, there's, it's known that there's adjustments slash changes that needs to be made to get it done. And it needs to happen now um, because with the potential news that we're, we're waiting on. We don't know what next year looks like um, next year. You could go into being picked top three again, or next year, if the news we get potentially with portal, you could be right in the middle or you could be at the bottom. So really good season. Um, if I were to grade it, give it the letter grade. I think we discussed this. I would give it a B minus at best. Um, I was at C plus for a while because we did what we were expected to do. Um, beginning of the season, pick third, you finish third. You and I, at the beginning of the year, the preview, we set it over under at 17 and a half when we hit the over. So, and we picked the over. So you did what you're supposed to do. You just didn't finish it off the way you should have. Yeah, I think it was 18 and a half, but yeah, we, we did reach it. And I mean, doing everything we haven't done in a while clearly means the program's in a good spot. We mentioned how, again, you do, you do want to do it earlier. And the reasons being why it didn't of why the core and factoring into those decisions matters so much. And you're right, getting the Saturday 
and you're just running to a buzzsaw. I mean, everyone's talking about obviously how old Drake is and everything, and it, it's true. I mean, you set yourself up as a three seed. If you win the first game, and you get the Saturday. I mean, it, that just means they're a great team. They 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 you know dealt with what they were given. If guys were given extra year, they wanted to go out on top, and that's what they did. So they had a vendetta on this season that of knowing what they wanted to do. So. You know, you just run in, you ran to a bus saw. Clearly, it showed when Bradley getting smoked by him in the championship. So they were on a mission. So it's unfortunate if you don't run in the Drake. Clearly, you have a really good chance of playing on Sunday. We would have liked our chances against Bradley, but we know we had moments in that Drake game too, and we just had it slip away. But yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the whole the whole baby steps thing and the grade for sure. I mean, it's it's definitely. B or B minus. I wouldn't say it's in the C's. You did do what you were supposed to, but just the fact that. I mean, I, I'm doing the things you haven't done in a while. And we, were, like, like the close games thing, you improved off of that. You did things. You did things you you expect to do as a good team in closing games and stuff. So you did do what you were supposed to do. But because there were a lot of good moments and you had a good season, you were 23 wins. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's below a, a B or a B minus at all. I would I'd, I'd stick with you with a B minus for sure. And you're right, we left about five wins on the board that could have led us to a B plus or up to an A potentially, all depending. So. Uh, but I think it's one thing to being pick something. It's one thing to obviously l- go through with it and actually live up to being it. And we know the league was down this year, but there, you know, you and I was hot and then they weren't. And then, so you had those kind of teams that kind of flustered throughout the whole thing, a lot of new faces on a whole new team. So it was kind of one of those seasons. So B minus season for us both. And we, and we did take those steps to uh, becoming, uh, you know, obviously this consistent 20 win team we're hoping and all dependent. So let's end here real fast with a uh, Marcus first team, all academic team. He got at the end of the season. We know he was the leader in the Missouri Valley 3.99. We talked in football because Jacob Garrett uh, won, was an academic all American as well. And obviously this is a big deal for Marcus um, getting this leading up to, or how it uh, happened here at the end of the season. And no, let's talk about now. Congrats to Marcus on that. Let's talk about now. I'll segue it to you. I mean, we do, Brian had that exit interview we remember talking about, and obviously those decisions, which is the next thing on us, we'll talk about these moves here shortly of the interest going into some other topics before we get out of here. But no, obviously spring break is now passed. Uh, Brian had the interview, and that's he talked about other things. He talked about the season, talked about other things itself, but obviously the main thing was being asked if the seniors would return. And he reiterated again and confirmed that JD's out of options, that X, or that Mike said, Brian didn't really say that. uh, He might have. I don't know. I haven't listened to it in a week. But it mentioned how X would have to sit if he transferred again. So we're hoping, like, him and Clarence, Clarence lost. Shaheen Holloway, he was able to transfer and not have to sit. He could do it again. But, no, based off those decisions, spring break, dive into what – because we did see what some of the guys were doing during their spring break. And it got us thinking, obviously – most important decisions we can remember in this program's history, uh, what the guys were doing to get their head right before they met with coach this week. Yeah, definitely going into spring break that hopefully after Arch Madness, you had a week um, to have these meetings, but that didn't happen. So um, I liked it to happen before spring break. So you got them spring break to enjoy it and take their time to make the decision. But um did get to see on his story that Marcus was watching Bradley at Wisconsin. Um, assuming it was just going to see Bradley play his hometown state. Um, no 
no visit recruiting wise. Um, we don't think he had some pretty good seats mid mid court. Um, didn't get Trent down in Florida at PCB um, and joined spring break as a senior. Um, got to see those two guys enjoying it. Didn't see anybody else's um, spring break post or anything. So hope hope ever everybody enjoyed their spring break. I know three of these guys got a big decision. Obviously all of them have a decisions to make whether to transfer the way division one basketball is now um, something small goes wrong. They don't, they don't want to stay and fight against it. They just want to enter the portal right away. So um, obviously waiting decisions this week, hopefully um, I'm thinking midweek, I'd say by Wednesday, we will have those decisions or see if anybody else enters the portal. Yeah, and you're right. I would say probably midweek for sure. And we've seen – it always seemed like Mondays are a prime thing. So we didn't get it today, and surely we will get it. You would like to think this week, and we're going by the word of what everyone's been saying now. So uh, next time we – we'll reiterate this again at the end. We'll come to you guys at some point in the next week or two to discuss it all when it does happen. We want to get all this out of the way, but – uh, no, let's talk about now, and we'll start off with, with the big Monday news. That typically, you know, like I said, Mondays you can expect some big news, and that's what we got. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about players in the valley that have already left the portal. There's a decent number, obviously, since the season ended, of a good amount of players from the I would say from the Missouri Valley this season that are wanting to find new homes. Uh, and then we'll dive into maybe who we think could leave our team, and then we'll dive into all the other interests we have. But, no, there's a decent number of guys that are leaving the ballot. Yeah, not as much as I would. I thought it would be a lot more, um, but not not so many so far, obviously. Um, the big one today, just jump out right into it, Rink Mass enters the portal. Um, this is a guy where – not really. I mean, it's kind of surprising he entered the portal, but everybody thought he was going to graduate and um, enter, enter and look for pro opportunities, probably overseas somewhere, um, probably back where he's from. But this is a guy that's a double double machine, and not sure exactly how many Power Five offers or interests he'll get because the style of play. I don't know exactly how many teams um, will end up looking into him, but it's entering, it's interesting to see. I think that um, Bradley, they kind of had a run it back mentality, but um, him not doing it when Malavai said he was coming back, kind of told you where he was at and his decision. Um, Also thought uh, just another key thought about Bradley is brought up in my Saluki chat. Um, Kind of interesting that I don't know if it was just matchup, probably matchup brace knowing Brian Wardle, um, but Duke Dean did not start their NIT game. I don't know if there's anything into that, but that was just a short note I had to write down. Okai from Okai, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, entered the portal, the sharpshooter into the portal for Drake today as well. Um, he has two years of eligibility. Um, thought this guy would have a lot more opportunity this year to play a little bit more and especially next year after what they're losing. Um, but he's in the portal. Um, then listen to the list of guys, Jace Carter, um, UIC going to look enter the portal, but he's also looking at pro opportunities. He's going to test the waters. Jalen Jackson, who we had eventually 
early reached out to um, freshman, um, all freshman team member. Um, he's headed back home to play for um, Purdue Fort Wayne. He's from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Everybody thought he was going to Valpo. That's where his sis, twin sisters are going next year to play basketball. Um, Evan Bronze, Belmont, headed to Iowa, it looks like. Um, that's an interesting one. I think there's a potential of – he's from Iowa City, Iowa, I think. So I think there's a potential of that could be a potential walk-on spot. Not sure exactly what's going on there. Maybe family reasons headed back home. Um, some other Belmont guys that did not play a lot. Frank um, – I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Jubiak. He's entering the portal. Michael Shanks, neither of those guys played a lot of minutes. They're in the portal. Blaze Beauchamp from Evansville, we knew he had got dismissed from the team or it was a mutual decision earlier in the season. He's finally in the portal. Joe Petrakis, we know we were in on him from Illinois, Illinois State. He came from um, Western Carolina or something down there. Last year we were in on him. He went to Illinois State, barely played at all. Not sure he has eligibility left, but He's entered the portal. Kenny White from Murray State. Um, this is a guy with a lot of lot of talent and athletic ability. Not sure where he'll end up. Maybe back down in LSU. I don't know. Um, Dawson Carper, Missouri State. His season got ruined by injury. Kind of surprising to see. Then the big one, Jonathan Mogbo, Missouri State. Um, crazy to see him enter the portal. Um, but um, it's probably looking like he'll be – Reteaming up with his JUCO teammate Brian Moore at Missouri State, I think that's the early thought on him. I think he's one of the top five transfers listed on um, transfers out there right now. So, a lot of talent with Mogbo. Um, I'd be reaching out to him if I was SIU, but he'll be hopefully someone bigger comes get him because his athletic ability and defensive play is really good. Yeah, and that was a huge one. That one, that one came as a surprise as well because we mentioned how Donovan Clay kind of after we beat them that night said that he was he wants to roll the because he's coming back. And you would think to Mogbo that you know the team was close, get another year, and you know just there with one another, you know, and at their full health with Matthew Lee and such. You mentioned Carper gone that they could do decent things next year, and it's weird, uh, but yeah. It seems like with Murray, because DJ Burns, he has eligibility, but they were all thinking he went through senior night. He was not coming back. And then we know Jamari Smith's looking to go pro. So they need a center at the moment, and they're in on almost everybody we see. I mean, them in Indiana State, but definitely Murray. They're going to live and die with the portal for sure. But Mogbo going back with Brian, and Brian Moore even kind of tweeted about it, said reunite with iMotors, I believe. So I think it's I think that will happen. If we're putting money down, it's almost like a hundred percent chance he's going to Murray, I would honestly say. Uh, so we'll 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 keep an eye on that. Of course, you know, that's a movie Woodman conference. I mean that'd be our luck in general. Anyway, rank is clearly huge. I'm just looking because they have that Janovich who they got from Serbia, that freshman who got some work in this year at times and they could groom him to become an next great player and we think Malavine maybe announced he was staying a little too early. We know he had his own situation of why he came back and he's getting certain NIL deals, but I'm sure they were all expecting Rank to return with eligibility. Yeah, I don't know where he can play uh, at the next level. He can shoot, he's strong, and it, you know he could fit somewhere. It's all depending, and then you mentioned pro ops. Yeah, we thought we had a chance at Jalen Jalen Jackson. That is depending upon what we thought of our guard position and 
fact that we ran on him, and yeah, we did think he was going to Valpo. Good thing he's not. Uh, but they would just ruin him. We would like to think there. So he is going home. And then Jace. We kind of had a feeling Jace would be. He's too good to be at UIC. We know that Yakovich gave him a chance, though. Uh, and thinking that he stayed, would stay loyal to that. But he is too good. I would love him here. Obviously, we were kind of harping on him when we were at the UIC game on uh, courtside. We didn't say we like to have him there. We were kind of giving it to him. But obviously, we that would just be a dream, whatever. He's an awesome player. But definitely thinking – because all these guys are going home, as you mentioned. It seemed like Jace could easily go back to Florida and play at a UCF or now a Mike Bray-led USF team. Uh, he could just go back there and play potentially. He, he can play at the American – conference size things he's that good at only being a true sophomore this past year so uh endless opportunities for him unless he goes pro you know some of those other ones bronze for sure he was good enough at the end of the season to go to iowa uh but you know maybe he walk on as you said so yeah a lot of ones kenny kenny white was surprising kind of uh but i think mogbo and rank clearly were the biggest surprises of that uh, so, yeah, that'll keep growing, as we know, as time goes on. Uh, it's weird seeing all those guys leave Belmont. We know Ben Shepard, who uh, is entering the NBA draft, had eligibility to return as well. We all knew he was going pro, though, and that's what he's doing. So uh, a lot of things, like I said, a lot of portal around even former Valley players itself that are going to go high major. You would think, though, some guys are entering for a reason. They're going to go bigger. It's all a wait and see. So there's that. And then, Noah, I said of – Guys we think could leave, I think we narrowed it down to like three guys that could potentially leave. I mean, anybody could. We know. But I think historically, because we see guys leave every year, right? We had Carrington, Harwin, Francois, among others, leaving the first year. We had Eric Butler leaving after like him, Kyler, and Dalton's freshman year. He left. I think he was the only one. And then you had Kyler and Steven last year. You know, it seems like it always happens it's hard to imagine that some programs this day and age can have a consistent roster year after year. It almost doesn't happen. You know, you know, we, and clearly it came out of these decisions. We're going to have to those guys, because it would seem like our guys would have entered over the last two weeks of it being open. Noah, like I said, we've kind of narrowed it down to three guys we could see leave. Uh, and who are those guys? Yeah, definitely think that um, the three guys potentially, um, potentially four if you wanted to throw a wild card in there. Um, the three main ones, starting with the two guys that were really three guys that potentially didn't get enough playing time, Foster Wonders, who Brian um, has really said he's happy and likes being here, Scotty Abube potentially, and A.J. Ferguson, not sure where he could land up. But just to throw another guy in there, um, I think Kate's happy where he's at, but I think uh, another just a wild card would be Clarence Rupert. Um, and just a guy that he's from out east, and this is a guy that he came here and he wants to win. If I think these three guys don't return and he wants to be back where he was his freshman year and playing the tournament, I think that he could potentially find a home back East that would take him. I know I'm sure his former coach at Seton Hall would add Clarence to his roster if he wanted to. Yeah. And even thinking, even as a sophomore going into his true junior year, that at some point he could play at a level. I and mean, if he could score around the rim, he did it against, you know, good teams that he could go into the big East and do that. If like, if he were for him, you're right. If he would leave it, go East, it, it would, it would hate it because you know he has a role on the team and he's still so young. We were talking about him earlier about what he still could be that he seems like a guy that wouldn't really be complacent and doesn't really 
he can be satisfied, but you know, there are certain moments and we talked out, I mean, he loved playing with Marcus this year and all those other guys. And no doubt if he would think that they'd be starting fresh, even with him, with that role that Marcus and them would leave, that he would feel like, you know, that he wouldn't want to maybe be here anymore. But I would think at a program, he doesn't want to keep bouncing around. And we mentioned the guys would have to get a waiver or sit if they leave again. But we talked about how he wouldn't really have to with Shaheen leaving from St. Peter's last year, that he could leave again. But at a place you know you're going to play a lot in and just keep growing, you would you would hate to see it. I like that wild card pick because he does seem like that kind of personality. Like I said, the incomplacency that, that he could that he could find somewhere, knowing that he had a better season clearly than his freshman year. Uh, I like that, and then uh, I don't think there's anybody else. Like like, we, but we were surprised. We weren't too surprised with Kyler. We were kind of surprised with Steven. So I wouldn't like compare that to like a Dalton this year of leaving per se and everything else. And we know X. So we said X and Clarence, we want to be our keep guys of building around a foundation with or without these guys and their decisions. So I like those picks that seem like the top three potential guys. I like to think Foster won't leave because how Brian talks about him and, and everything. But you, as you mentioned earlier with the effort thing with Scotty and everything tying in, it does seem a little weird. And then obviously AJ would just seem like not being ready at this level consistently, it would seem like. So, no, with that being said, let's talk about all these new portal interests we've had since the end of the season. They've been going on. We talked about MJ Thomas earlier because it was around that time. It was about a week and a half, two weeks ago. We've been hearing about or hearing from guys. Noah dive in. I guess you can do it in chronological order if you want to run through those, and we'll dive into who we like so far of the big batch. We'll narrow it down to like maybe three people apiece. Yeah, really quickly, um, Dave Eminem that covers Bradley – had an interview with Rink Mass and Brian Wardle. But just a quote real quick from Rink Mass. He said, I'm looking for a great basketball spot. He said, Brad- Bradley is a great basketball spot, but you get to play against hot against high majors four or five times a season. I want to see I stack up against the best competition in basketball. So wow. sounds like Rink is gonna enter the por- has entered the portal and he's looking to stay in college. So that is just a real quick tidbit on that. Um, but just one more guy I want to mention about that I almost forgot about, but looking at my list here, that potential interest, don't think there's any landing him, but Avante Parker, he's a 2023 guy, three-star, just decommitted from Georgia Southern, six, eight forward, kind of same body type of NJ Thomas. Um, but bigger, bigger fish has come calling for him. Clemson, South Carolina, which he is from Columbia, so that South Carolina in his backyard. Mercer, ECU, Memphis, and Seton Hall have all showed interest in him. That's just another 2023 guy. Then really quickly, some guys that we have already we reached out to that have already committed, mentioned Jalen Jackson. He's headed back home. Um, but Tyler Hauser, um, he was a 6'9", um, 6'9 freshman from VMI. Um, he had off. He had interest from SIU, Murray State, U, Rhode Island, San Francisco, Liberty, UAB, Fairfield. Um, he had already committed this past weekend to Delaware, so he's off the board. But a lot more names on the board we can go through. Just sticking. I just mentioned a big man. I'll stick with big man. Jonathan Beagle, a freshman, six ten from Albany. He was the um, the conference's freshman of the year for them. This is a guy that I would be very highly interested. I think this is a guy that could potentially, if we had a guy like this, you can maybe play Clarence more at the four and go bigger since one of our biggest 
cons we um failed to mention was rebounding i think you mentioned a little bit but i forgot to mention it as well but having going a little bit bigger and potentially looking at a kid like this um he had interest from virginia tech virginia florida northwestern vermont so gonna have to fight off the big boys but Love that we're showing an interest in a guy like that. Then another big man, Trayton Thompson. He was a sophomore this year at Minnesota, 6'11". Um, didn't play a whole lot. Did not shoot it. Shot like 26 or like 30% from the field as a big man. That's awful. So Boise State, Montana, Montana State, Delaware, Ohio, teams like that in on him. So not really liking his game too much. Then a power forward rear in on Johnny O'Neill, a junior um, from American, he's from Miami Shores, Florida, Loyola, Dayton, Belmont, Davidson, Rhode Island, um, like his game as well. So um, then some sm- some wings we were looking at. Um, one today we got to saw Jamel King, a sophomore, three-star, 6'7", from West Virginia, Tennessee State, Tulsa, Georgia State, Towson, Old Dominion, really schools that we should get guys over. Um, unless he wants to go play in the American and like a Tulsa, but they were pretty awful this year. I like that's probably one of my leading candidates. Tedrick Wilcox Jr., he was a senior this year at St. Francis College from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, Virginia Tech, Minnesota, M- Murray State, Vermont. In on him, this is a guy that shot 39% from three this year. Really good guy. This is one of the high ups on my list as well, but gonna have to fight off some big boys and obviously Murray in that one. He's from out east, so. If he wants to stay local, I know uh, Virginia Tech's done a really nice job with um, Coach Young that came from Wofford, stealing guys from the better guys from the mid-major level. Um, Another guy, Briggs McLean, a junior this year at Hartford, 6'4", from Martinsburg, West Virginia, Youngstown State, Delaware, South Alabama, Towson also went on him. Um, This is a, a guy that can stretch the floor. Um, I think his numbers a little bit inflated playing in Hartford, one of the worst D1 teams. They're eventually, I think they're dropping down to D3 here in the next couple of years. So that number's a little bit inflated, but that's a decent player to look at. Justin Wright, a 6'2 guard from NC Central, one of the highest, uh, high up on our list. St. Bonaventure, UMass, Richmond, Winthrop. We've actually had a, already had an in-home visit with Justin Wright. So that's interesting. He's from Greenville, North Carolina. So, I really like that guy. One of the high automatically we've seen this kid enter the portal and didn't even have to think that we had, hadn't reached out to him. But Marquise Kennedy, everybody knows him, former sixth man of the year in the Valley, um, from Loyola, from Chicago, UIC Bradley, Indiana State, Ball State, Missouri State. So I'd put it at a 100% he'll be back in the Valley somewhere next year but hopefully it's us i really like marquise's game um cameron hunter a sophomore at central arkansas this year six three um butler arkansas arizona state nebraska indiana state so some power five guys in on him really like his game another guy that has some pretty good eligibility landon moore um six three from saint francis originally from bloomington so Illinois State's in on him, UIC, Drake, Indiana State, Colgate, Robert Morris. So likely I put a high percentage he's going to be in the Valley somewhere as well. Ricky Bradley Jr., a 6'2 guard from VMI, um, originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Missouri State, Texas A&M, Corpus, Corpus Christi, Delaware, Northern Kentucky. So some tournament teams in on him. Um, 
Terrence Ford Jr., freshman from Arkansas State, originally from Chicago. Um, if you recognize that name, that is the son of T- legendary T.J. Ford that played in the NBA, UAB, Indiana State, Valpo, Utah Valley, Chattanooga, in on him. Rashid Bello, sophomore, six-foot guard from Wisconsin Parkside, a D2 school, put up numbers for them. Northern Kentucky, Liberty Akron, in on him. Caleb Thornton, a senior from Northern Illinois, from Bolingbrook originally, um, Akron, Ohio, Montana, Eastern Michigan, UMass. DJ Smith, sophomore from Little Rock. We got to see him up close for the last few years. Originally from North Little Rock, Arkansas. UTEP, Oral Roberts, Abilene Christian, Robert Morrison on him. Um, a lot of these guys have long lists. Then um, one more, D'Anthony Tipler, a grad transfer from ETSU, uh, Mississippi State, SLU, Tulsa, UIC, and on him. A lot of these guys have 40 teams that have reached out to him. I just chose some of the best teams that have been in on these guys. A lot of these guards that I mentioned are 15 point a night guys. A lot of guys that play a lot like Lance Jones that could potentially, if you want to look into it, is maybe the factor of, hey, he won't be back next year because these are guys that can fill it up quick. So looking at that, but I like a lot of these names. You probably have some guys that you can jump into that stick out to you right away. Yeah, and and that's the thing I was just going to start with is we know if the interest lies at a certain position, you're looking to clearly fill it, which means you're looking, you're potentially losing at that position. And we talked about how last year that wasn't really the case. We knew we had the guys like before we got Clarence and AJ out of nowhere, but you know, and obviously what well, I remind the Clarence example means that they will go get something, even if they have a surplus of it, you know, they couldn't pass on Clarence from being in the tournament with the three bigs that they knew they had. So they will do that, but I, I do think we will be surprised because Jawan wasn't on our list. A guy that came out of nowhere for them, an opportunity that they went after. So it, it, it all depends. But we did talk about earlier, we will have a thread here sometime this week of starting with all these guys uh, mentioning. And yeah, I mean, and I think you know, if you go after a certain position, that does mean they're filling spots. There are some guys that stick out, obviously, definitely the one from today. Uh, West Virginia transfer because we talked about Jamel King because you you know we talked about how all these other leagues get these castoffs from bigger schools like this kid played eight games a piece the last two seasons so Bob Huggins was playing him every now and then wasn't doing a whole lot had three points as most in a game and all of a sudden now he's a, he's going to be a junior and he didn't really get a whole lot of anything his first two years in college so you kind of feel for him. But as you mentioned, the early lift that he's got, teams that we should definitely get him over. I mean, I'd be danged if he go to Tennessee State, even though it's a good team, like all these teams. We know Chattanooga, like some of these teams have made the tournament, yes. But you need to get a guy like that. That is a, at this level, a newcomer of the year style kind of guy that fits into the three-star, that fits into the chance more four-star from Missouri State that can fit into that. I mean, that that's a no-brainer for me. I did like – I do like DJ Smith from Little Rock because he's a six foot guard. If you're looking to replace, you 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 wonder if we if we keep X on, who you got to put next to him? You need to put a a score next to him, no matter the size. We saw Philip Russell was leaving for Semo, not saying he's coming to us, but even Semo, who whichever because that ties into I mentioned UNLV. Sean Gilbert left. He killed us eight, eighteen in that game. He's going bigger, but I was joking how we get the Vashon boys back together. Him, Philip Russell with. 
uh, Kennard next year. I joked, but uh, even he's leaving. Like Philip Russell would be the perfect, like a guy that'll have the volume, won't shoot as bad as a Lance did. But like, yeah, you, you kind of need a guy that's more efficient. You mentioned all these guys are about 15 or more a game, which is what you desperately need. You need obviously scoring with or without the guys coming back. Clearly, if it's without, you need to replace 46% of our scoring with Marcus and Lance were this year. So that's the biggest thing you need to go get. I do like DJ Smith. He did do good against us. Uh, I like Jonathan Beagle, as you said, as well, just depending with the bigs and the whole situation with it. Uh, it's kind of weird. I do like Landon Moore from St. Francis um, or St. Thomas, wherever the heck. I actually just looked at him. I liked him. He's a, He was a true freshman. He's from uh, Bloomington, so – I just noticed he, you know, he had highlights that people were talking about. He's going to play at the next level more than likely. He's from Bloomington, though, middle of the state. That could help us. I do like his game, judging off some of his highlights. You mentioned uh, the kid that is from uh, St. Francis, Brooklyn, and they were announced today, all their guys are leaving in the portal, that uh, they're totally canceling all of their Division One sports as of whatever. Uh, Tedrick Wilcox, yeah, as you said, I mean, he's getting decent looks. He's a senior that's what we want to do too. We want most of these guys have eligibility, which we love. If we were to get a veteran guy, which is what you desperately need, definitely a school like that is compared to like a really good D2 player. You want a veteran. So I like Wilcox as well. Uh, but I think it fits the, and you mentioned Marquise Kennedy. I can definitely see him playing for Bradley for some reason, all depending about what happens with them now with rink gone and how they fill out their roster can see him going there. You're right. I would. He's definitely coming to the Valley. You just need to make sure. I mentioned Landon Moore because like Drake's in on him, and they're at the field guard spot. So you just again you you want to get guys that you know you can maybe steal from other Valley teams because that killed us this year with Brian Moore as an example of other guys that we were in on that killed us at times and did us dirty. So you want to get guys from other than that, but you you need to go get scoring mainly. And whether that's again guy with eligibility or guy with one year left, you go do it to add on to what you have depending upon who we would have leave. So I do like this early list, but I do think the uh, Landon Moores and the Jamel Kings of the world, Marquis Kennedy, I would, I would definitely put those at the three with Wilcox really behind. You can make a list. Yeah. But these are the guys early with interest. Like we said, we will have our list or our thread here coming up with all of that. Uh, no, I mean that, that tied in kind of like a wish list. I think Marquis Kennedy immediately fit into like a wish list of need until we found out we ran on him. There's other guys, Noah Paxton, Woshchek, who you mentioned, was from Brown. He's going to a way bigger school, but that's a guy you enter in the portal if he stays at this level. Be perfect quickly. If you have any other wish list guys, that's, you know, honestly, it might not even matter until the interest is there. But that fit, uh, Paxton would have fit that bill. And then, Noah, dive in before we end it here. Because other people have been talking about way too early 2023-2024 team rankings. Some teams stick out more than others because a lot of teams have question marks like SIU. Like I said, dive into your, any wish list guys you have and then those early rankings in your opinion of what it could be and who could be leading that. Yeah, definitely think um, Paxton Wojcik, when he first entered the portal, really thought that Brian was – I think Brian was his main recruiter Why he went to Loyola. He was an Illinois Wolves player. Just thought the connection made it too, too obvious. But once the name started coming out where – North Carolina and all the schools are in on him that finding out that his dad was a coach in the past in North Carolina for three years, that, that it's, it's going to be too late that no matter the connection he has with Brian, that he won't be coming here. Um, 
then yeah, once we find out a couple of those guys, I mean, it's just depending that you you want to get the best talent available, obviously, but depending on what the decisions are that are made this week, um, I'd I would prefer if the decisions are if they don't come back, um, that you go guys like Landon Moore who has eligibility, Beagle has eligibility, a lot of it. Um, but if those guys are coming back, I would go all in with the Kennedys, the Wilcoxes, that after next year, it's a total reset because I think if those guys don't come back, I would go get guys with eligibility that can grow because it's probably going to be a rebuilding year for us, if not. But um, there's a lot of guys on that list that could potentially list I mean, just looking at, um, we mentioned um, a lot of guys. I think Noah Fernandez, a UMass transfer, he was a junior. I think it was on my um, recent radar, just guys that we potentially could be on. A couple guys that I just look who coaches follow. Um, Akola Rop, he's a sophomore, former three-star, went to Nebraska originally. He was at Nebraska-Omaha this year. That's a guy I just noticed some of the coaches follow. Um, Tommy Murr, a sophomore from Lipscomb. Um, coaches, a couple of coaches followed him. Um, Eden Holt, who he originally ran on when he came from UT Martin. Um, he's back in the portal. I don't know if there's any former connection there, but there's some guys that potentially um, that we could have been in on or could be in on, but just by follows, they're just not list out there. Um, but yeah, looking at the way too early um, predictions, it's just with the news today from then and the news we're waiting on now, I mean, the Valley will be wide open, but if I were just to pick like a top three right now going into it, I think as of right now, I think Wardle can get a player that's decent enough Um to fill that void of rink mass. We know most of the team is probably coming back. I would say if rink went ahead and entered the portal that they probably have somebody lined up Um, that I would put them one. I think Belmont will still be good. They can get portal guys with Cade Tyson, Keyshawn, Keyshawn Davidson, Jacoby Gillespie, um, they'll be, they got Freiburg last year out of the portal. They got Davidson out of the portal. So I think Casey Alexander can do that to Den. can do that again. Then at three, I would put Indiana state because they've been in on a lot of guys I've seen on lists that are really good. So, um, those would be my top three. If I were to just pick a way too early top three, because, um, as of right now, just for SIU's sake, without knowing the decision and just going based off of, them probably not coming back. Um, I would put us at six or seven, um, potentially, maybe even lower than that, depending on who we get out of the portal. Yeah, because you think elsewhere, like the like everyone that was almost below us last year, we know some guys have decent recruits coming in. We, we like to think that we have one of the best ones coming in as well. And that's like an Illinois states of the world with the guys that are getting – and. You know, and that's the thing. We were picked third because we had all returnees, and it's all about how you're picked. If you're a brand new team, Missouri State, I guess, is the only outlier. They were picked fourth with a whole new team almost outside of Donovan Clay, who's one of the best players in the league. That's why they were that high. 
Uh, talk about who you return and how you're picked next season, no matter who you have. And a team that uh, you didn't mention that just sticks out to me in terms of how young they are and the and the uh, kind of the what's the word just the faction or the or the building blocks that they have with recruits coming in. Northern Iowa seems like a prime team because you know guys are going to leave. We've seen Noah Carter's of the world leave there, and no, we knew Jacob Hudson, who formerly of, or of Loyola, who's now going to be a junior or senior coming in, went to Northern Iowa already. So we talked about how. Maybe that could be the end of Austin Fife's career. We know Nate Heiss would have changed everything for them this year. He'll be back. They have all these young guys groomed in, all the you know the, all the guys we know about. And then you add on one half of the Rubin brothers from Chicago Simeon, who had an R.J. Taylor, his productive high school career. Whether all those guys play, we know they love to redshirt guys, and it works out for them. But they seem like a team for sure that's going to come in here and be the team to beat potentially, all depending because Drake fills into the category of, is Tucker coming back? He's too good to remain here. He obviously can. If they went on a run, Tucker and Darren probably wouldn't be here. We know Darren's tied to some jobs, Notre Dame jobs, some others. So, you know, if Tucker's back and Brody's back and they fill in a team with that success, we know they have a four-star recruit coming in, three-star, that they're going to be good still. They're going to be up there. And yet Bradley, if you're a good team, you can fill. And Wardle's one of the best at replenishing a roster year after year. So those would be the teams for sure. I would think is that high and Missouri state losing Mogbo kind of because they would have been up there. They drop Murray could take the place of them if they get him. And we know Murray's going to go big fish hunting. So uh, it's all definitely a wait and see a wait to really, for sure. I would put you and I near the top because I just love their future of what they have there. Uh, they've showed a lot of signs. So a lot of things to play out, a lot of decisions, not only with ours itself. So that is this week's episode. Glad, hope you guys enjoyed our season recap and obviously filling you guys in with everything that's happened postseason so far with other teams as well as who we're in on, who's already leaving the Valley, who's already coming in. And we mentioned how we will have a thread here coming up. Uh, you know, we'll post on Twitter like we do every single season and filling in stuff throughout the offseason. It was a nice 23-10 and 10 B-minus season that we agreed upon. Noah, final thoughts, because into your final thoughts here, Final decisions on by the time we come to guys next of final decisions on who you think will leave like officially. And then obviously if you think the guys who were banking on the decisions, if they come back, because that'll be the next time we come to everybody, we'll be around that time after decisions are made in about a week or two when things are ironed out a little bit more. No, your final thoughts before we come to guys next and your final decisions until we come to everybody next. Yeah, definitely think, um, it's going to be a very anxious week waiting on news. What's going to happen. Um, been waiting all day, maybe thought something would break, but hopefully final meetings were war today and that these guys are actually thinking hard about it, that it's not a really tough decision. But I, if I were to, if I were to make a prediction, I think Marcus Trent and Lance are gone. I think that, Marcus will look at pro opportunities. I think Lance potentially will want to go find a job, maybe closer back home um, to whatever he is graduating. And I think, I think Trent potentially with his finance degree that he maybe have a job lined up right out of college. Cause sometimes people in that, in that degree in the business like that, as smart as he is that there's, there's uh businesses that want him 
there's corporations that will want him right out of college ready to go. So my my final prediction, I think they will all three be gone and we'll be replacing those three, the three core guys that we've been watching these past four years. Yeah, in terms of and having guys that let's leave, I if I were to make a prediction of some guys to leave, I will say AJ Ferguson will leave. Uh and hopefully, like we mentioned, not of the X of Clarence caliber or even of Scotty and Foster caliber. Uh, like I said, that should happen within the week. And as you said, I kind of agree with you. I, I'm starting to get a feeling that, I mean, I I put in about 65, 35 of 65 not returning and and 35 do. I, there's a part of me that thinks they will. But again, they're not going to, they're not only, you know, it's not only just going to be Marcus with Lance and Trent leaving and vice versa of all the different scenarios that could happen. It'd be all of them. And we mentioned how we love Marcus and Lance back. And that's no disrespect to Trent. We know he's a, he's a leader. We know he can be valuable at times. We want to fill spots of guys that are honestly going to be more impactful and help us more consistently. And that's, again, that's no disrespect to Trent. And we know he does have probably things lined up for his career. And we mentioned how it, uh, you know, a grad assistant job. If he wants to get into coaching, it's one here. He could go back home and do that as well. And you mentioned Lance going back and taking a job. I would like to think that Lance would express pro opportunities as well. Clearly he's good enough to warrant playing overseas somewhere for sure. And Marcus, without a doubt, we think Marcus has pro aspirations regardless, but again, it's what Mike kind of talked to Brian about itself is like, if it matters to him with NIL that he would get and, you know, Brian agreed and, you know, there's, they mentioned how there's an, a new fund. I think he said that, that was coming for NIL for things that would fill into it. I think he said something like that. I wish that just hit me. Should have said that earlier uh, that could help the cause potentially. And um, clearly like if being the all time lean score means something to him and that's all a wait and see. And obviously he could cement even more of the legacy he's already built. And again, not it's either going to be all of them or none of them. Not it's not going to be of that scenarios of some and not. So uh, I think they're gone as well, and that's why portal season makes it even more crazy and makes it even more, uh, you know, fun. It can be fun uh, of getting guys that you know have to fill that kind of production, as we've said. So hopefully, when we come to you guys next, we're wrong, and Lance and Marcus do return because again, Marcus is the kind of talent. If you lose, making up his production is is can be really really hard and we know the staffs kind of work towards the fact of what they could be with or without them so it's all a wait and see like i said we'll come to you guys within the next week and a half or two but we will be all over twitter retweeting still and again making that thread so until we come to you guys next hopefully it's with decent news but if not so be it we're into the off season 23 and 10 season it was a good one we're looking ahead into the future so for nick malone no alerts until next time as always